Welcome to the Protoss Podcast. Today's date is Friday the 30th of July and you're listening to a weekly roundup of the most important stories from the past week as reported by us. This week at Protoss we covered X-rated tit-for-tat between rival ransomware gangs, checked up on Binance's charity arm and asked why donations to terminally ill cancer patients are still being withheld and looked at what could be the final chapter in a series of murky esports influencer scams. But first, we started the week with the subway worker in Kazan, Russia, who had to quit his job after being caught mining Bitcoin using stolen electricity from the metro underground. The worker's resignation comes just a day after a government committee announced an investigation into the theft, which reportedly cost 352,000 rubles or $4,700. Now, our metro worker, along with a colleague, managed to illegally install Bitcoin mining gear in a substation belonging to MUP Metro Electro Trans, the firm that runs the city's subway. Sadly, there's no word as to how much Bitcoin their electrical escapades made if the pair made any at all. Mining Bitcoin with stolen energy is now a familiar story in Russia. In fact, some have built their own ad hoc stations to efficiently siphon from the grid. It was even estimated last year that outlaw miners had cost local electricity companies around 450 million rubles. That's $6.6 million in the past three years. In one instance, a 30-year-old Makakela resident connected a whopping 500 mining machines to the local power grid, reportedly caused damage totaling 34 million rubles. That's about half a million dollars. But it's not just Russia. In May, UK police busted what they thought was an illegal cannabis farm, only to find that they'd really uncovered 100 illicit crypto mining rigs, stealing thousands of dollars in electricity. And recently, in a display of deterrence, Malaysian authorities released a video showing the destruction of over 1,000 Bitcoin mining rigs via death by steamroller. The machines seized during police raids were linked to an estimated $2 million worth of power theft. The ransomware wars turned X-rated last week when hacker crew Babuk saw its new forums flooded with pornographic GIFs. The sexy looping pictures were posted by rival hackers who demanded a Bitcoin ransom to stop the attack. Launched in May, Babuk's Ramp Forum was intended to be a safe space for ransomware fans to talk shop. However, the site is now being tormented by an anonymous spammer and a torrent of same-sex smut. They demanded $5,000 in Bitcoin or the tidal wave of hardcore porn would continue. Babak quickly responded by wiping the post, then the entire forum. But no matter how hard they tried, the not-safe-for-work posts kept coming. Cybersecurity researchers have since found that the site has toughened its entry requirements to weed out any potential bad actors. Ramp applicants must now share their existing profiles from established sites XSS or Exploit. These accounts must be at least two months old and have at least 10 views. You can also pay $500 to join Ramp without meeting these requirements. Ramp was supposed to signal Babuk's triumphant return to the ransomware scene, but as you can see, it's not going great. Despite only appearing in the wild in January, the group soon declared retirement in April after an audacious cyber attack on the DC Police Department leaked troves of sensitive data online. 
However, Babuk's plan to host the world's premier ransomware forum was plagued with problems long before the porn avalanche. Ramp was reportedly gaining little to no traction before this incident, while Babuk's original idea, a leak site for hackers called payload.bin, folded without making a dent. Next, we go to Malta, where the Malta Times reports that the local non-profit council has walked back legal threats to Binance's charity arm over three years of missing files. Last Friday, Malta's charity watchdog threatened to refer the Binance Charity Foundation headquartered in Malta to the police after it claimed Binance ignored repeated reminders to file accounts dating back to 2018. However, fast forward to Tuesday and the files have somehow been located. A council spokesperson told the Malta Times, quote, the documents were submitted in September 2020 and were found in electronic folder. Any inconvenience is regretted, end quote. Reappearing documents aside, Binance's charity wing is still facing legal action in Malta. The Malta Community Chess Fund, a charity led by Maltese President George Vela, claims it's yet to receive over $9 million in Bitcoin that Binance promised to terminally ill cancer patients four years ago. Consequently, the Binance Charity Foundation is now facing a lawsuit from the fund after several failed attempts to recover the Bitcoin, which is estimated to be worth around 10 times its original value. Rewind to November 2018 and Binance, alongside crypto project Tron, kicked off fundraising with a $200,000 joint donation. And then, after a further 20 pledges, more than 250 Bitcoin had been raised in total, worth roughly around $9.5 million at today's prices. Now, 15,000 recipients were expected for that Bitcoin, but Binance's site shows that none of it was distributed from the charity pot. That 251 plus Bitcoin sits with Binance, but it should be with cancer patients. Now, Binance's lawyers reportedly say that Binance Charity was supposed to direct donations straight to patients rather than via the Malta Community Chest Fund. The exchange's charity arm had previously promised to consider any suitable requests with regards to fund distribution. According to a March 2018 report from Bloomberg, Binance was actually planning a move to Malta, although the exchange never managed proper licensing from Malta's financial regulators. Helen High, who heads up the Binance charity, still signed a memorandum of understanding with then-Maltese president Marie-Louise Colliero-Preca. As part of the agreement, Preca was to serve as chair of Binance Charity's senior advisory group. However, it's said that no invites to any meetings eventuated. She said, quote, It was only when you brought this matter to my attention that I realised that I'm still listed on their website. Binance recently attempted to liquidate its charity efforts in Malta in favour of an identical entity in the US. Malta's Community Chess Fund has now filed an injunction to halt that process, alleging an attempt from Binance to move assets outside of the reach of the Maltese authorities. However, lawyers for Binance claim that the move was to avoid extra administration costs and the exchange has no intention of backing out of any obligations. And to round out the week, we reported on the senior talent manager who's been fired from esports brand FaZe over allegations that they were involved in a string of pump and dumps earlier this year. According to a follow-up report by self-styled internet detective CoffeeZilla, FaZe's Jordan Galen acted as an independent middleman, brokering rogue promo deals between token developers and gaming influencers. One such influencer was FaZe member Frazier Katari, who the organisation fired earlier this month for advertising a token purportedly 
reportedly for a charity called Save the Kids. Three other FaZe members were also suspended in the fallout. Save the Kids was a Safe Moon-esque Ponzi game, which it said it would send burned crypto to charity rather than remaining holders, as is the case with many similar projects that found popularity in recent months. A previous CoffeeZilla investigation linked Qatari and disgraced YouTuber Sam Pepper to a raft of similar tokens with dumb names like Moon Portal, Moon Pug and Doge Elon. In the case of Save the Kids, Project Insiders paid Qatari and other influencers with their token dubbed Kids to shield the crypto to FaZe fans. Galen allegedly collected commission for organising deals. A spreadsheet shared by Pepper, who first worked as Qatari's assistant, detailed a list of influencers in on the Kids pre-sale. After tweeting to encourage FaZe fans to get involved, Qatari and other whales holding Kids dumped shortly after it was deployed on decentralised exchange PancakeSwap in June. This rendered kids virtually worthless, with it dropping 70% of its value. Swathes of FaZe fans and other contributors are now out of pocket. BSC Scan records about 8,100 kids holders to date, and Binance Charity controls just 0.08% of the supply. CoffeeZilla actually linked the Save the Kids pre-sale wallet to Qatari via a kids transfer worth $20,000 to one of his wallets. Pepper, who lived and worked with Qatari in Los Angeles, until recently told CoffeeZilla, quote, the name, concept and aspects of the Save the Kids coin were Kay's idea and he chose and assembled the team members. He controls, that's what Kay does, end quote. However, evidence suggests it was Pepper who ordered the contracted Save the Kids developer to change the smart contract's code last minute. The move removed the anti-whale feature that would have prevented pre-sale insiders from selling their tokens until 24 hours after launch. Instead, whales were allowed to dump after just one minute. After all, how else would they maximise their shitcoin promotion paycheck? Despite a teary video denying any knowledge of the plot to pump and dump the kids' token, blockchain data links Qatari to several token rug pulls. Qatari previously sent CoffeeZilla a cease and desist notice, ordering the YouTuber to delete his Save the Kids videos and retract any statements implicating Qatari in a crypto pump and dump. CoffeeZilla, of course, ignored those requests. And Pepper has now sold his Tesla and appears to have moved to the UK sometime in the past few weeks. One section of CoffeeZilla's latest video shows former FaZe members Qatari and Galen on a Zoom call brokering a deal to promote a token on Twitter. Screenshots show the deal would have netted the pair around half a million dollars worth of the cryptocurrency. Galen had told CoffeeZilla that his cut was normally between 10 and 20% with Qatari taking the lion's share. But the recording of the meeting ended with chanting and chest thumping a la Wolf of Wall Street. And while the deal never came to fruition, the footage provides a gory glimpse of mucky shitcoinery mixing with social media influence. You can watch the third instalment of the shitcoin saga at the Internet Detective's YouTube channel, CoffeeZilla. And that's your lot. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode, but we realize there's only so much we can fit into this podcast. So if you want more of the stories that matter, then check out Protoss.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the Protoss podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other major podcast provider for more weekly roundups. We're back next week. See you then.